We're very glad you're here with us as we celebrate Easter today and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that that means. And uh, I'm not going to do announcements this morning. Check out the bulletins. There's a lot of things happening through the week, some great groups that are available. Read about those and check them out and uh, come and visit whenever you can. Also, before I hop into the message, I want to tell you that at the end of this service, we're actually going to end with a song. And towards the end of that song, you'll see my wife and I go up on stage and we're going to join with the church in doing something that happens all over, the, all over the world on this resurrection day. We're going to say, He is risen, and you need to respond, He is risen indeed. Okay? And then a second time, we're going to say, He is risen, and you're going to respond louder this time, He is risen indeed. A third time, I'm going to say that as loud as I can, He is risen, and you're going to say as loud as you can back, He is risen indeed. All right? We're going to try and make sure we make up all the people that need to come to the 11 o'clock service. So... Uh, It needs to resonate out of here for all of that. So um, that's what we're going to do. That was the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. These are particularly bad, but I'm quite happy about them. Alice and I, we play Scrabble. And uh, my wife, uh, she tried to beat me at Scrabble, but I wouldn't let her. Wouldn't let her. I know, wow, right? Thank you. I don't have a telescope. I don't have a telescope, but it's something I'm thinking of looking into. I'm leaving it there. Got to press into the message today. So um, what I want to do today is I want to talk with you about a man who lived a couple of thousand years ago, and he died, and he was put in a tomb, and then a stone was placed in front of that tomb, and people were sad, and they were crying, but a, a few days later, he came out of the tomb. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, Lazarus. And uh, you were thinking Jesus, right? Yeah. And this is a big day for Jesus, and we're certainly going to talk about him, and he's a huge part of this story. This is his story. But I want to talk to you today, if you could, if we could, about Lazarus and what happens with Lazarus. And I think there's some things in that story that will absolutely change your lives. And so we're going to dig into that together. Uh, This this story takes up most of John chapter 11, and I want to read that that whole sort of chapter to you. We'll break it up in chunks. Because the word is so important. I tell you all the time, the scripture is so important. Every word means something. Nothing is in there, you know, just sort of trivially, and it all matters. And I always want you to try and put yourself into the story and think about what's going on in the process. And so there's a reason for this story, and so we're going to look at that together because I think there's some things in there that will make a difference in your life. So we're going to dig into John uh, chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So let me stop there and sort of set up the story a little bit. You've you've probably heard of Martha and Mary, Mary and Martha, pretty famous in the scripture. Uh, And you might have heard of Lazarus, most of you probably have, but if not, what you may not have ever connected is that they were brothers and sisters. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were brothers and sisters, and they were good friends of Jesus, and they were very close. Uh, And so they were a big part of all that happened in Jesus' life. And 
you know this about Jesus, hopefully, that Jesus, um, he went around and he did things for the people that he met and he prayed for them and he healed many people. In fact, people would bring uh, people to him who were sick and Jesus would pray for them and they would be healed. And this is the things that, that he did everywhere. For people he didn't know, he would, he would pray for them and take care of them and do all the things that he needed to do. So when Lazarus gets sick and Mary and Martha are pretty confident that this is a big deal, that Lazarus is going to die, they send word to Jesus. They knew where they could find him, and they sent messengers to him. Uh, Jesus was about two days away, and the messenger comes, and, and the messengers come, and they talk to Jesus about Lazarus. And, and the message is worded if you, you want to catch what's going on, because it's a little bit manipulative in there, perhaps, because uh, they say, the one you love is sick, and you need to come. Now, they're expecting, because they're great friends, that Jesus is going to stop what he's doing and he's going to come in the process. But that's not quite what happens. And he actually says, this illness doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then I want to pick up the story again, verse 5, beginning in verse 5. And here, John's going to make a point that I want to make sure you see. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You need to see that because Jesus isn't going to respond the way they think that he should or would. And John wants you to know that he loved them because sometimes it's possible that when things don't go the way we want or we're in a difficult situation, we might think that perhaps God doesn't love us. But that's not true. God loves you and he's for you and he's got you. But sometimes things don't always happen the way we want them to. And so we need to be aware of that. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas also known as Didymus. Let me stop there, because if my name was Didymus, I'd have you calling me something different as well. Just, just a personal take on that. But now you get it, right? Okay, so, said to the rest of his disciples, uh, let us also go, said the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So that's how he arrives on the scene. And again, I said... Uh, you need to know that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus with a great, uh, you know, he loved them. That's not why he didn't go right away. But uh, here's what happens. He waits two days longer in the place that he was, doing what he was doing. And after two days, he says, okay, now we're going to go. And uh, we're going back to Judea. We're going to go and and take care of this whole situation with Lazarus. Now, you might think that the disciples would be sort of anxious to go. Like, why have you waited two days But they actually had another sort of situation going on. They had just left that area. Uh, And if you go back into John 10 and read, um, they were threatening to kill Jesus. They were going to stone him to death. And so they just sort of got out of there. And now Jesus is saying they're going to go back. And the disciples, they care about Lazarus too, but they really don't want to put themselves in harm's way because if Jesus gets stoned, most likely they're going to go out as well. That's why Thomas said, 
what he said. But Jesus says, listen, you guys, you're, you're missing the point. If we're, if we're walking in the light, if you're following me and you're walking in the light, you can trust that God's got this situation and you don't need to worry about those things. And then he says, because, you know, we're going to go and wake Lazarus up. And they think he, they just fallen asleep. And they say, well, it's good that he's sleeping. Again, they don't really want to go back. It's good that he's sleeping. If he rests, he's going to get better. So Jesus actually has said, no, Lazarus is dead and we're going to go. And he, he says to them, this is important. I'm glad that I wasn't there to heal him because there's something that you guys need to know. And there's something that Lazarus needs to know. And there's something that Mary and Martha need to know. There's something that all the people that are gathering there because it's just outside Jerusalem for the Passover that they need to know and understand. They all need to wake up because there's more to life than what you see. And this is really important. And so they head back. Verse 18. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So now, more of the story. Jesus and his disciples, they head back. Lazarus has been dead. He's been in the tomb four days. Martha comes to, to meet him. And she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would be alive. He wouldn't have died. Uh, You could have shown up. And the question is, you know, they they can't understand why he didn't come. He's he's your friend. We're your friends. Why why weren't you here in this process? You've loved so many people so so well. Why couldn't you show up for our brother? If you'd you'd have been here, he, he wouldn't be dead. And Jesus looks at her and he says, you know, Martha, do you believe? And she says, I do. And he says, do you think Lazarus will rise again? And she says, I believe there's going to be a resurrection at the end of the age, Jesus. And he, he kind of is looking at her and he's saying, listen, Martha, I want you to believe because I'm going to show you something that's going to completely change your life. You're going to see the glory of God in a way that you've never seen it before. In fact, everybody that's here is going to see that. So Martha, she goes and she gets Mary, and Mary comes, and uh, Mary kind of has that same conversation with Jesus, and then Jesus says, well, where is he? Where did you lay him? And she said, well, come and, and follow me. And, and so, you know, try and get yourself into the story. What are they thinking? 
And, I, you know, my thought would be that they're probably thinking, oh, Jesus is going to come to the, to the tomb, the gravesite, and he's going to say some nice words or something, and he's going to pray a nice prayer. Maybe he's going to explain why he didn't show up. We don't know, but uh, that's not exactly what happens. So they take him out there, and this is what goes on with this. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's a cool story. It's really neat. Jesus gets there, and so they're expecting to maybe pray or something. And he says, Hey, guys, do me a favor. Roll away the stone. And they're like, What? What in the world are you thinking about? And he says, Well, we'll take it away. And, and what would they... What, Jesus, do you think we put the wrong body in there? Or do you think somehow we didn't prepare him properly for burial? Or, or you know, do you, do you think that, 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 you know, we've forgotten something? Don't you realize, Jesus, that he's uh, going to smell? He's been there four days. Do you, do you realize the, the stench behind that stone? And, and Jesus, he stops and he prays and he says, Father, we've already talked about this, but, but I want to make sure everybody hears what we're talked about so that when they see what you do, it will absolutely change their lives. They need to understand that there's much more to life than what they're focused on. And when he says these things, he says, Lazarus, come out, in a loud voice. I didn't say it very loud, but you get the idea. Lazarus, come out. All right, so, and I'm thinking again, the story. And they're all thinking, like, really? What, do, you, do, you, do you think we, we put him in there and he wasn't really dead? He's been, like, pounding on the stone for the last four days? What do you think's going on? And, and he says, you know, like, you're just going to say, come out, and he's going to come walking out. And what happens? John says, the dead man came out. No words are missed, you know, not important. Everybody knew there he was dead. But as we read this 2,000 years later, we don't want people thinking, oh, he wasn't really dead. No, the dead man came out. He was dead. And uh, he comes out, and his hand and feet, so he's been prepared for this burial, and so he would have been wrapped in strips of linen. His feet would be bound together, and his hands would be bound together, and it was all over his face like a grave cloth. And so I, I have a weird sense of humor, but I kind of see him, you know, he's, he's, he can't walk, right? His feet, have you ever had your feet stuck, like your pants down around your ankles or something, and you're, you're trying to get by and you can't see, and, and he, he comes out like this, or maybe you've seen mummy movies or something, I don't know what you've seen. And so he comes out, and nobody's doing anything. Because they're, but you, you'd probably be a little, you, we could give them a little grace, right? Like, ah! So anyway, Jesus, we know nobody's doing anything because Jesus says, listen, go and help him. Go and get the stuff off of him. Unbind him. Get him loose so that he can have life. And, and so they do that. And uh, this amazing thing happens. So we have this story of Lazarus. Now, why are we telling you that story? What do I want to share about you? Well, nothing, I think said in the scripture, it all matters, right? So when John writes about this resurrection with Lazarus, it's in the middle of his uh, gospel. And then he writes about the resurrection of Jesus at the end of his gospel. And, and what John wants us to know is that we have a resurrection in the now and that we also have a resurrection in the future. We have, we have this resurrection and it has this idea of when we come to know Jesus, it changes everything in our life now. 
And then because of what Jesus did at the cross, it changes everything about our eternity. And, and so he, he doesn't want us to settle. Jesus doesn't want us to settle for, for a resurrection that just takes care of everything, although that's important in the future. He wants to do something great in our lives in the now and in the moment. And so he's waking everybody up to the reality that the resurrection power of Jesus is available now and also forever. And he wants us to live that way, and that's very important. Because do you, can you imagine how life-changing this event was for Lazarus? Try and think about that. How about for Mary and Martha? How about, you know, for the disciples? How about for all the people that saw what was going on? Absolutely changed their minds uh, about everything, changed their lives. So Resurrection Sunday isn't just about securing our eternity. It's about that. But it's also about a a new creation in the now, in this present existence. God wants to do something great in our lives. So I have three points that I want to go through with you real quickly. Um, First one, Jesus is not afraid of what's behind our stone. Jesus is not afraid of what's behind our stone. Let me read you verse 39 again. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Now, I I almost used the King James verse there because I like the King James there. Because what it says in the King James is, But Lord, he stinketh. (laughs) And you don't get to say stinketh very often. And it's kind of... There's some words you wish you could keep around, right? He stinketh. And and I almost... (laughs) I always wanted to use that because, see, see, the, the reality is we all stinketh because of our sin. And I was going to get up here and say, you stinketh. But then I thought, well, they might not appreciate that very much. Because last year, if you were I called everybody criminals, and that didn't go over real well. So it's true. It just, you know. Anyway, so is you stinketh. But that's not there. See, the, the reality is this. Jesus is not afraid of the stench of our humanity in this life. He's not afraid of what's behind our stone. He's not afraid of the mess and the, and the brokenness and, the, and all the stuff. There's so many things in our lives that we try and keep back behind some sort of stone. We, we carry all this dead weight around with us of, of you know, this mess and brokenness in our lives. But, but he's not afraid of any of that. He's ready to come in and deal with that and to bring life into all those areas. So there's nothing in there that can you know, trip you up on this journey. He's not afraid of the stench of our humanity. And and he'll roll that stone away of all the things that you try and hide from everybody else. All those things that you think if people really knew about me, there's no way they'd be in relationship with me except for Jesus. See, he came as our Savior because he knew we needed forgiveness of our sins. And he knew we needed to know that we can walk in him forever. He knows none of us have it all together. He knows that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he comes to bring wholeness into your life. He wants to give you a new existence, something that makes a difference now, not just in the eternity of our lives. So that's the first thing you need to know. Secondly, Jesus wants to set us free. He wants to set us free in this life. Let me read you verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, he wants us unbound and free. A lot of people sort of get started in this journey, but, but they don't ever get free. 
they're, they're still bound up in so many things. Uh, some people come in and then immediately they get bound up and thinking it's a performance thing and they have to earn their, their favor with God and they have to perform this way or that way and they get caught up in all sorts of you know, uh, rules and, and rituals and things. They're, they're bound with that. Some people are bound up with, with guilt from uh, relationships that they've, they've been in and things that have happened or uh, they're, they're bound up with, with shame about things they've done or things that have been done to them or, or they're bound up with bad decisions that they've made over the course of their life. And so, so even though they're connected with Jesus, they're not really free to experience this life that he has for them. And Jesus wants us to live a life of freedom. He doesn't want us all bound up like that. And, and part of that process is very important. You see, Lazarus, see, Lazarus needed help to get free from all those things. And, and that's why we have the church. We are the church and we're, we're together the church, but we need one another. In order to experience the kind of freedom that Jesus wants us to have, we need one another. We have to help one another because we get stuck very easily by ourselves. And so that's why we have that. It takes this whole process in order for us to be free. And he wants you to be free, Jesus does, because it's that free life that really attracts other people in the knowing Jesus. And that's what he came for in the first place. And so Jesus, the, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who, who died on a cross and three days later got up from the grave and conquered death, he, he did that so that we can have full and abundant life. He wants us free. Third, Jesus brings now and forever life. In verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So the the resurrection of Lazarus, it's there so that we have a, a complete different understanding of our now existence. It's the promise of new life now as new creations now. The resurrection of Jesus secures our existence throughout eternity. And that's a big deal that we get both those things. He doesn't just come to save us so that we sort of stumble this life until the sweet by and by. He comes so that we can have a full and abundant life now. That's why he got up from the grave, Jesus. He got up from the grave so that we could have victory in our lives. He got up from the grave so that we could experience full and abundant life now. He got up from the grave so that we can impact the world around us for him. He came to make us new creations on this journey. And he's got that for all of us. Now, today, I want to do this. See, for some of us, we we need to have our hearts woken up to this reality that Jesus came for you. That that he wants you to have life. And that we have an issue uh, that we have to deal with. And the issue is, is simply this, that God is perfect. God is perfect. And everybody here in the room has sinned. All of us. We've all sinned. And once you've sinned, it causes a separation between you and God. There's a problem. And no matter how good we try and be or how hard we try and work or all the things we try and do, we can't get back to perfect in our own strength. You can't. You've sinned. And that's the issue. But what God has done is that God comes and makes a way. So God comes. Jesus arrives on the scene, fully God and fully man. And he comes and he lives the perfect life that none of us could. He lives a sinless life. And then he willingly goes to the cross on our behalf where he exchanges his life for ours. He pays for our sin by dying there on the cross. But it doesn't stop there. He's buried and then he defeats death and he rises again. And he's made a way for us now to come back into relationship with Jesus because of what he's done. Our part is that we believe on that. 
that, that we accept that by faith of what Jesus has done. And when we do that, then God chooses to see us in the perfection of his son. And we're reconciled now and forever. And so we do that by praying a, a fairly simple prayer. And some people say, well, that, that seems far too easy. The reason, C.S. Lewis said this, that the reason that salvation seems so easy is because it cost God so much. Because he did the work. There's nothing like this. And so we, we say a prayer. It gets us started on the journey. And what I want to do today is I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me. So in just a moment, not yet, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. Not yet, just a moment. And I won't keep you there long because I know that's uncomfortable. But just, for, just to give me a, create a little space. And then I, I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me. And when I do, I'll ask you to raise your hand. Not yet, but just in a minute. I'm not going to bring you up front or point you out or do anything like that. It's just going to be between me and you and God so that I can pray for you. But today's your day, and, and Jesus has come. All this happened for you today, and he wants you to respond to it. So if you would just give me a moment, why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, just for a moment. And if you would say, Steve, I'm ready to pray that prayer with you. I want to know Jesus now and forever. I want to embark on this journey, this, this resurrection now and forever. And if you'll pray a simple prayer with me, would you just slip your hand in the air? So I can see your hand. There you go. Hands coming up all over the building. Praise God. So let's pray this prayer. Everybody can pray this prayer. Families do things together. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You can put your hands down if you haven't already. And I, let me pray for you as a group. You don't have to repeat after me. Uh, Papa, I pray for each person here who prayed that prayer just now. And I would pray, God, that they would know you and your amazing love for them and that you would fill them with your spirit, Lord, and settle them in this great journey that they've now embarked on with you. And Lord, I pray for all of us here today that you would refresh and refill us and renew us by your Holy Spirit. You are an awesome awesome God. And for those of you that prayed that prayer, you need to know this. You touched off a party in heaven. The Bible says angels rejoice when one comes, and many of you came today. And so we're going we're gonna to join in that party right now by singing a little song together. And so uh, here it comes. Let's go. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met. I was breathing, but not alive. Oh my. 
did rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. You call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I breathe in. I have a future. My eyes are open. It's when you call me. Let's all stand up. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.